knew that, I saw that, I didn't know to the day that Myron was coming up. And I didn't know that he was going to come up with his brother Adrian. I had to, <laughs> I had to grab the bottom of the, the cue there just to. <laughs> Pastor Venice asked me, he said, uh, are you going to be able to get through this? I said, man, I don't know. But uh, God is so good. Let's give God some praise. I want to thank the men's ministry. My brother, thanks you for the invite. I was humbled and honored that you asked me to come. Pastor Venice, Myron says it well, he's our pastor, but uh, that's my brother. We go way back, and we come way forward. I thank God you are a gift to me, man. You really are. You really are. Um, see, my brother snuck in here on me. He ain't supposed to do that without telling me, man. <laughs> My God, it just feels so good. And I have to acknowledge Tracy because without her, I wouldn't have them too. Thank you. Some history you can't erase and you don't want to erase. So I'm not going to start calling out any other names. Oh, my nephew Troy, he just snuck a hair on me. This, that's, that's Machel's son right there, okay. Okay, am I missing anybody else? Okay. Wow. Hey, New Mission. <laughs> I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Will all the fathers please stand up right now? And ladies, can y'all just give them a hand till they turn red? Just, just acknowledge them for me. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We are going to get down to the word here. It's been an awesome service. Some things don't change, you know? You know, just the praise and worship in this place, it just keeps going higher and higher. And some, things, some things are just fixtures, you know, that you was raising. My walk with the Lord. It's tied 35 years plus in this place right here. And I know some people don't change. Uh, my little sister Kim, every time I preach, she walks around the choir and says, I want my $5 back. <laughs> some people don't change, you know. You... And I won't talk about Rhonda right now, so... It's getting late, but we want to get down to the hour. Uh, let's give Reverend Thompson a, a hand. He did a great job. Um, he read the, uh, the whole text. We won't go back and read the whole text, but it's Genesis 35. Uh, for those of you who have your Bible, um, we're just going to look at verse 16. Verse 16 is where we're going to focus at. Genesis 35 and 16. Hear these words of the Lord. And they journeyed from Bethel, but there was but a little ways to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed and had hard labor. Let me read that one more time. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little ways to come to Ephrath, and Rachel uh, travailed, and she had hard labor. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about this morning, when men fall short. When men fall short. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you on this Father's Day. But Father, you are the greatest Father 
in the world. Even though as we as men, as your sons are fathers, Father, there's no father like you. So, Father, we just want you to take over this moment, take over this worship experience, take over this sermon. Let your word speak to us today. Father, great is thy faithfulness towards us. Morning by morning, new mercies appear. Father, help them to see you and give me the articulation and give me the words and let me show the people how you showed it to me. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. When men fall short, heard a story once about, it's a story on righteousness, and the story was about two men who got in a boat, and the boat took them out 50 miles, and they both said that they were going to jump out and swim. Well, one knew that he could only swim 10 miles. The other knew that he could swim 40. And when they jumped out of the boat, they both started out swimming together. And when they got to the, one guy got to the 10 mile mark, he went under. And the other guy had the nerve to be arrogant, saying he can't swim like me. But he kept swimming to the 20 mile mark, still swimming to the 30 mile mark, he still swam, but when he got to the 40 mile mark, he went under. And the point of the story is, some of us have been on this Christian road a while, and some of us know some more things than others, and some of us may have been in Bible school a little longer. Some of us might have been on this road, but the bottom line is that we all fall short. I don't care if you 10 miles from the shore or 40 miles from the shore, you need somebody to save you. I need somebody to save me, and thank God for Jesus, no matter what. Romans 3.23 says, for all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we don't have no, none of us should be walking around with this Christian arrogance looking at somebody else because they only swam 10 miles. When you keep swimming with your 40-mile swimming self and see what happens to you, we all fall short. When it comes to being a man, I've been on this road 58 years. When it comes to being a man, when it comes to being a father, when it comes to being a leader, let me tell you something. Ladies, I, I, I know, I know, I respect. I know it ain't easy being a lady. And, being a woman. I know it's not easy. And, you know, and what really convinced me of that was when I saw Tracy have Myron. And once I saw him born, there was nothing inside of me that wanted to be a woman. <laughs> but, 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 but let me tell you, son, being a man ain't no joke. I thank God for the prayers, nephew. I thank God for some of the things. God gives you confirmation when he gives you a word. And this morning, when my nephew prayed back in the office and what Brother Thompson was saying throughout, as he was saying throughout the whole service, he kept giving me confirmation that, you know, God want to speak to us men. But also, ladies, I'm going to let you listen in. Because I got a word for you. You know, but being a man, it's, it's no joke. You, uh, you know, ladies, you might read about it in your magazines, uh, 10 Things That a Man Needs, that was written by a woman for a woman's magazine. <laughs> now, I hate to bust your bubble, but most of the times when a woman is writing something about what a man's needs, she don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> you know, it's funny, sometimes you listen to your girlfriends and, you know, it's Father's Day, y'all, we gotta have our day now, okay? I, I, don't you slap me either, okay? Uh, it's funny that, you know, when you listen to your, 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 your girlfriends, they're telling you what a woman needs, and they're telling you all about us, and 
Most of the time, they don't know what they're talking about. You should have kept that $3.50 for that magazine when you're trying to read about what a man needs or put it in the offering because we can still use some money around here. But the truth of the matter is, from a physical standpoint, we are filled with this juice called testosterone. I, I won't get into all the complications of that. There are some blessings and there are some curses. But, but, but basically, this testosterone makes us want to be highly competitive. Uh, it makes us want to win all the time. It makes us want to compete because it's this testosterone that's in us. You see, any time that we don't feel like we're winning, it makes, us, it makes it difficult for us to continue doing something that we're not good at. We don't keep doing something that we don't do well. Uh, so, for all you naggers out there who are trying to change him, it's getting quiet in here, Pastor. Come on, brothers, back me up now, back me up. So for all you naggers out there who, who keeps telling him what he ain't doing well, but let me tell you something, he knows that. He don't need you to tell him what you ain't doing well. You know, when he needs to come to a place of comfort, that's where he needs to come, and he comes to a place of complaining. Oh, it's getting, it's getting quiet up in here. We're going to go for a little rough ride this morning, y'all. But the more you tell him that he doesn't do something well, let me tell you something, ladies, and, 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 and the more you tell him that, to be honest with you, the more he don't even want to come home. Oh, some brothers ain't here. No, I'm right. I, don't, don't say nothing. Keep looking straight ahead, okay? Don't, don't, don't look at them. Just, 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 just keep looking. Why is that? Because men are not drawn to criticism. We are made in the likeness of God. We are drawn to praise. Let me say that again. Because the way God made us, we are not drawn to criticism. We are drawn to praise. Why do you think that when you come in here and praise God, we magnify God, right? He gets swelled up. God gets bigger when we worship and magnify him. Well, if I'm a man and I'm made in his own image, what do you think I'm attracted to? Shoot, let your man come in and he bringing the groceries and he got two bags of groceries. And you say, oh boy, you strong. He'll put a third bag on his toe. He, he'll say, girl, that ain't nothing. Let me show you how strong I really am. I know I'm right about it. Y'all may not like that, but y'all know I'm right about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We love praise. Don't mean that we can't have a conversation when something is wrong, but don't give me a constant diet of criticism. And don't be looking around thinking that I'm talking to somebody in particular. Just look at yourself because all have come short of the glory of God. Yeah, yeah, we love praise. So when you praise God, he's magnified and he swells up when we praise him. Well, I'm made in the image of God as a man. I need some praise. See, when you praise men, uh, you know, I know a lot of us ain't trying to hear that this morning, but when you praise men, we become better at what we do well. I'm trying to help you this morning. We become better when you praise us. We, goof, we, 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 we get better at what we do well. The truth of the matter is, there is not a man in this room that will tell you that he tends to shy away from things that he don't do well. So you don't need to tell him, you ain't no man. You ain't doing this. You ain't bringing this home. You see, a lot of men are confused 
on what does it take to mean what it means to be a good man. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of men are confused. What does it mean to be a good man? Because society keeps changing what a good man is. Used to be back in the day, if a man worked, provided for his family, might not have been home that much. And he paid the bills, he was a good man. That's the way it used to be, but it keeps changing. Now we got to be in touch with our emotions. <laughs> He's not sensitive enough for me. He don't understand me. He never cries. But if he does cry, then y'all come back and say, are you weak? You say, oh, he's wimpy. So most of us men, we are confused. We're walking around in a state of confusion. You know, how can I be a good man to a woman who, joy, who enjoys being a man herself? How can I be a good man to a woman? I mean, I'm the one taught. I was taught how to open doors. I was taught how to bring the money home. I was taught, we were taught to do this. But how can I be a good man to a woman who enjoys being a man herself? It's going to get rough in here this morning. You know, I've been groomed to open the door for you. And you tell me I can open the door myself. It's Father's Day. Y'all got to hang with us today, girls. I ain't going to try this sermon next week, okay? But we're going we to do it today. How can I be a good man to a woman and when you're around your female friends and you say, girl, I don't need no man? I'm going to ask you ladies a question. I'm not just going to stay there. This ain't no beat up on the women day. I'm going to bring it back to the men. Just hang with me, okay? But I got to ask you a question that's on most men's minds that's sitting in this room right now. You ready, ladies? The question that's on most men's mind is this this morning. Why do you need me? Oh, watch out, brothers. Watch out. Let me handle this. Don't, don't, don't jump in. Don't jump in. Don't jump in. Don't jump in, man. I'm, I'm going to take the hits for, for every man this morning, okay, bro? You, you got to go home. So. Let, 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 let Big Myron handle this, okay? Uh, uh, uh. But that's the question. Why do you need us? When was the last time you told him that you needed him and why you needed him? I need to know as a man, what is it that I bring to the table? What is it about me that makes your life better? Because if that's all you communicate is where I fall short, don't expect me to excel because I don't flourish in criticism. I flourish in praise. I flourish in the same praise that you give your sons. I flourish in the same praise that you give your sons. And the truth of the matter is, all these men in here is somebody's. See, 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 nowadays, there's not a big payoff to being a steady man. The truth of the matter is, a lot of men are quitting right now. A lot of men are just throwing in the towel. I want to talk to you this morning. Okay, I, I, I'm going to move to the text. That was my little appetizer. I know you didn't really like that. We were, we were eating a little sushi, okay? And 
Now, now, now we're going to move to the main course. I, I want to talk to you about a man this morning who fell short. His, it's in Genesis 35, and his name is Jacob. But Jacob didn't live up to the family brand. He didn't live up to the family name. He, he didn't live up to the family model. You see, Jacob was a misfit. He didn't fit in with the rest of the family values. See, he comes from a long line of faith men. His grandfather was Abraham, and Isaac was his father. And here comes Jacob along with his slick self. Ja Jacob was greasy. Jacob was as greasy as a $5 bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He was greasy. And there's some brothers in here this morning that's But you know, I got good news for you. And the reason I know that they, he was greasy, or I can say that some brothers here was greasy, because I know what it's like to be greasy. We See, I've been, my ministry has poured out ministry for men, and I'm telling you, when you teach men, you got to come with the truth. You got to be for real. So when they told me they wanted a message for Father's Day, we're going to have a for real message this morning. But the good thing is, I don't care what your background is and what you've done and how slick you've been, God does call greasy people. He does. God calls broken people. Jacob was a trickster, and Jacob had game. He was, he was a con man, but, but God called him. Thank God for grace. But I want to tell you something about Jacob. Jacob didn't get there by himself. His mother was greasy, too. Uh, if you, if, for y'all know your Bibles, y'all know who I'm talking about. And his uncle Laban was something else, too. So, so, so whether it was by nurture or by nature, he didn't get to that spot by himself. And most people, however they turn out, don't get to those spots by themselves. Somebody. But Jacob didn't have faith like his grandfather Abraham. Uh, 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 he didn't have the tenacity of Isaac. And Jacob was a misfit, and he was a con man, but yet God reached down and said, I want you. I know, you know, I know, I know some of us men, we got, some we got some garbage, we got some baggage. Some of us been abusers, wife abusers. Some of us been alcoholics. Some of us struggle with drugs. Some of us struggle with pornography. But I'm here to tell you that God will call you from whatever mess that you're in. Yeah. Jacob didn't know his real name. No, he didn't. Jacob didn't know his real name. He knew what they called him. He knew what life had made him. But he had an encounter with God on a mountain. And God said to him, you think your name is Trickster, but you're a prince. Jacob means Trickster. Israel means prince. And you don't even know it. So there's so many men in here right now, you don't know who you are. You just know what society has said you are. But I, tell, I swear to God, I tell you, when the word tells you who you are, you need to believe what the word says over what... So he comes down off this mountain. I'm in the text now. I'm in the text. He comes down off this mountain and after having an encounter with God that changes his life. And he enters into the twilight zone. Jacob kind of enters into a twilight zone. What do you mean by that, pre preacher? Because just because you, he got renamed to Israel don't mean that the trickster wasn't still inside of him. Many men, many of us sitting here in this room right now, we have two people inside of us. Oh, yeah, we're going to get real this morning. Israel was saved, but still Jacob. Okay, let, 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 okay you, you, you think, let me prove my point. It's amazing to me when you look at this story and when you look at the life of Jacob. When you look at all of this, 
The Bible goes back and forth. It, it, uh, it, it vacillates between calling him Jacob and Isaac, even until the point of death. The Bible says that Jacob laid, laid down, and it comes right back and says, but Israel strengthened himself. Y'all, 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 that, that just went over somebody's head right there. When it, it's amazing to me looking at the Bible, when looking at all that goes back and forth, that lets me know that Jacob never quite killed, Israel never quite killed his Jacob. You see, the church tells you if you keep studying the word and you speak in tongues and you spin around three times, that you will be the same and you'll never, you'll never have to deal with that inner man no more. I'm here to tell you that's not true. That's not true. The Bible says that Jacob begins to die, and the Bible says that Israel sat up and began to strengthen himself. I believe that we as men, we have some, both Jacob and Israel inside of us. Tell your brother, say, we're both here. Come on, let, let's get real this morning. Tell your brother, we, we both here. Uh, you know, sometimes Jacob wants to quit, but Israel wants to stay. Sometimes Israel wants to live holy, and Jacob wants to go to the strip club. Sometimes Israel wants to read his Bible, but Jacob wants to watch porn. We have two people that we're battling inside of us. And men, you know that I'm telling the truth. That's all you got to do is nod your head. This is a real message this morning. And, 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 and you say, how could that be? How could, how, could, how, could, how could that be? How can you be like that? Israel is saved, but we still got to live with our Jacobs. So he drops down off the mountain, and with both of them working inside of him at the same time, he comes down and he reconciles with his brother Esau. So now, after he reconciles with Esau, and, you know, that's a true sign of conversion when you done did some things in your past and you want to make things right with some people that you know you're wrong. That's a true sign. Jesus told me, him to strengthen the brothers. So now Jacob has this one dilemma left. He has this journey. And after being in Bethel, having this encounter with God, and by the way, Bethel means house of God. He's been to church, y'all. He's had an encounter with God, and he even anointed the rocks on the mountain, and even after this encounter, Jacob still has a problem. Just because you saved don't mean you ain't going to go through nothing. The devil is a liar to make you think just that all your problems are going to go away. Matter of fact, your problems are going to intensify. So even after this encounter, Jacob still has a problem. His wife, who he loved, when I say loved, it's not often men really love. But when they do, Jacob loved Rachel. When he first saw her, he knew he wanted. He said, that's my woman. He said, whatever I got to do to get her, I'm willing to do. And he worked. And he worked seven years to get her. And he ended up with her sister, Leah. Old tangle-toothed, cross-eyed Leah. The Bible says she had cow's eyes. Am I, am I telling the truth, Pastor? <laughs> Leah was Jack. I'm sorry, Mama. <laughs> Leah was Jack, you know, uh, 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 you know, so, so, so. But Rachel has this problem. Rachel is beautiful, but she can't have any babies. But Leah can have babies. So this is my little take on the story, okay? Just let me put my little spin on it. So, so Jacob goes have baby with the ugly wife and go have fun with the pretty wife. And what he does, and what he does, he still wanted Rachel so bad that even though he got Leah after seven years, and sometimes that's what men do, when we can't get what we want, we settle for what we can get. But he finally, after seven more years, he gets Rachel. Leah 
It's the kind of woman, you know, women, y'all laughing at me, but you, you know, Leah's the kind of woman you see at Walmart, and she with her man, y'all be saying, how did she get a man? <laughs> come on, sisters, come on now. I didn't know a world. I'm going to keep going, Pastor. I could stay there for a while. Y'all know I'm right, sisters. Y'all just ain't saying it. I see y'all. So Rachel, Rachel has to pray to get spiritually what Leah has naturally. So miracle after miracle, God opens up Rachel's womb. And everything that came out of her womb, Jacob loved. He loved it so much that when Joseph, his firstborn from Rachel was born, he made, he made Joseph a coat of many colors. So when God opens up the womb this time during the pregnancy, it's not a good pregnancy. It's a rough pregnancy. The pregnancy is rough and he's on a journey. He's not traveling by jet. They're not traveling by car, but they're traveling by horse and buggy. Like in the old, well, you know them old, did you, did you, were you able to get that? Myron, I guess he didn't, don't worry about it. Uh, oh, there it is. He's traveling and Leah, I mean, Rachel's in the back. And Jacob is up front with the horses. It's probably a horse-drawn wagon. He's trying his best to get Rachel to Ephrath. The Bible says in verse 16 that they were a little way short of Ephrath. And as a man, it's a struggle to lead a family with a problem. It's a struggle to lead a man, it's a struggle to lead a family as a man because you're going to run across some rough roads. You're going to run across some rough terrain. You're going you're to run across some obstacles. So he is really trying to get her there. See, there's not a, there's not a good man in this room who's not trying to get somebody he loved there. There's not a good man in this room that's not trying to get who he loves there. You're trying to get them there over the rough road, over the potholes. And sometimes as a man, you got to work with, 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 with substandard equipment sometimes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you got to work with a broke down car. Sometimes you got to work a job that ain't paying you too much. But you're trying to get your family there. We don't, as men, ladies, we don't show a lot of emotion. We don't, we, don't, we don't jump up and down in church as much as you ladies do. We don't shout in church like you ladies do. Because a good man really is trying to get you there over this road called life. And in order to get the family over the road, he has to sit with the horses. He can't be back in the wagon. Because if he's up front with the horses, he's making progress. But if he goes back to the wagon, he's with the family, but ain't nothing moving. So sometimes you accuse me of not being there, not being present, but because as a man, we're trying to get you there, but we're, not, we're being charged with not being back here in the wagon with you. It's a great dilemma that we go through. It's not that like we like to work and like to be gone. It's not that we like that, but we're trying to get to a spot. We're trying to get to effort. So either we're up front with the horses or we back in the wagon present with you. But if I stay back in the wagon present with you, then when it times to fund something, when it's time to pay the kids tuition, when it's time to pay the taxes, when it's time to go on vacation, when it's time to get the car fixed, when it's time to take you out to dinner, you got a lot of men that stay present with you in the wagon. 
but, they, but, but I'm going to tell you, they broke. They ain't got no monies. Y'all go out to dinner, you going in your purse. And then you accuse him like, you don't contribute nothing to this house, you weak anyway, so. So Jacob's dilemma, in order to make progress, he has to stay up front with the horses. And he's, and he, and he's sitting there with the horses, he's working on progress, but him, but, but, but behind him, he hears the pain. He hears the cry. He hears the wailing of Rachel. And the dilemma of Jacob is, who up front with the horses, he said, if, if, if I manage to have progress, then I'm doing it without being present in the wagon. I knew somebody hear me. Some of the brothers, are y'all connected with what I'm saying to you this morning? The dilemma now he faces is, do I stay with the horses? Do I hear the love of my life crying in the back of the wagon? Or is this a, mo is this a be there moment and I'm back in the wagon with her, but I ain't making no progress? The problem with being a father and a good man is that you can't be in both places at the same time. We're just having a conversation this morning. So it's hard to be a man because I'm afraid if I don't get us there soon, if I don't get us to Ephrath by a certain time, let me tell you something. Success has an expiration date to it. If I don't get there by the time I'm 40, if I don't get there to the time I'm 45, if I don't have the house paid off by the time I'm 55, if I don't have the car paid off in three years, then success has an expiration date. It has a shelf life. I hear you screaming in the back, but I'm up here driving the horses. I'm driving as hard as I can. I, you know, I, I, some of us men are, are, are trying to do the best we can. We, 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 we're not mechanics, but we're going outside trying to fix our own cars because we, we got a place we're trying to get you to and we're trying to save money and we're wearing some of the same clothes because he has a family and he's trying to get them there. Meanwhile, while he's driving the wagon, while he's driving the wagon, there's a problem in the back. There's a problem in the back of the wagon. Rachel was having a hard time. It implies that because he was up there with the horses in the text, he was not back in the wagon with Rachel, and she's having a hard time with this pregnancy. It applies he's charging Jacob with non-support. And the text says that they were a little ways from Ephrath. They were all most there. How many of us feel like we were almost there? I almost got my degree. I almost got the house. I almost got the family together. I almost got out of debt. I almost, I almost got the job. There are so many of us men out there that we feel like we're almost there. The problem is, it says they were yet a little ways from effort. Rachel was in the final moments of her labor, and she birthed her baby. Short, the Bible says, short of effort. He was trying to get her there. He was trying to get her, knowing that she had, she was pregnant, and she needed to go to Ephrath. By the way, it's called Bethlehem in the New Testament, which means the house of bread. So he was trying to get her to the bread. So he was a great dilemma that he was in. Even though he heard her screaming in the back, he was trying to get her to a place of safety. But she had this rough, this rough pregnancy. And, 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 and if he could just get her to Ephrath, he was saying that everything would be okay. You see, what happened though, while he was trying to get her there, she had the baby. 
And while having the baby, right after she had the baby, she died. Could you imagine how Jacob felt? Could you imagine Jacob saying, I almost, I was trying, baby. I was really trying to get us there. I, 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 was, I was really trying to get us there. I, 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 I was really trying, and while he was trying to get her there, she died. The love of his life. His Sharia more. And so here he goes to the back of the wagon. And he's saying, I almost had her there. But you know what? I think sometimes almost is worse than being far away. So they hand him the baby, as I wrap this up. And they hand him the baby, and they tell him, while Rachel was dying, she named her son Benoni. Benoni means son of my sorrow. She took her pain and put it on that baby. That baby hadn't been here long enough to experience pain. And sometime when a woman is lonely, she will cast her pain onto her He said, Jacob said, his name shall not be called Benoni, son of my sorrow, but his name should be called Benjamin, son of my strength. See, it was my strength that kept me riding. It was my strength that kept me working overtime. It was my strength that was trying to get us there. And I come to learn that both names are true, really. That every strength got a sorrow. Every Benjamin has a Benoni. Every Israel has a Jacob. Every man in this room has a man you see and a man you don't see. See, the daddy had two people, Israel and Jacob, and the son, so did his son, Benjamin and Benoni, and you can't have strength without sorrow. I personally think it's the sorrow of what we go through that makes us strong. Because being a man sometimes means no matter what's going on, you don't have no choice. Sometimes you ain't got time to touch in with your emotions. Because that sometimes life situation will call you to be a man and you got to step up and be a man. So he goes outside the wagon besides his wife and she's lying there dead. And his newborn baby is crying for milk. And so he grabs a shovel and he digs a hole and he buries her. Where did he bury her? Just short of Ephraim. They were almost there. And I'm sure as he was digging that grave, he was saying to himself, baby, I almost got you there. I was trying to get us there. But it seems, sometimes it seems the harder you try, you still come up short. Even when you'd have done the best you can do, sometimes you come up short. Whenever you fall short, see, that's the problem with, as a man or anybody. Whenever you fall short, people don't remember all the good things you do. People remember the bad things you do. So he buries the one thing, the one thing that he loved. He buried it. He buried the one thing he loved in a place that he fell short. Uh -huh. 
And I wonder how many of us are men have buried something where we fell short. How many of us have dug a hole and covered it up? See, it's not always a racial what we bury. Sometimes it's men, we bury our fight. We get tired of fighting. See, you can almost, uh, you can, you know, you can, you can bury your fight. You know that? The fight you had to get through life and something happens to you. And sometimes when you get back and you bury your fight, you get back on the wagon, but you are half the man that you was. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? So he went back. He went on to Ephraim. I'm telling you this morning what's going on with men, ladies. I'm telling you what's going on with men. I'm telling you what's going on with men. I'm telling you what's going on with your, with your fathers. I'm telling you what's going on with your sons. Uh, I'm telling you, when you talk to your man and, he don't, and you, he, you ask him what's wrong, he says nothing. It's not nothing because he's got this on his mind. He's trying to get you to a point. You know, the worst thing about being short is this. When you, as a man, when you come up short, the worst thing about coming short is the place where you go to get comfort sometimes is the place you get criticism. Y'all didn't hear me. The place you go to get comfort and you hear you didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. I already know I didn't do it right. But can I, can I come to a place where I can just lay my head for a minute? So as I close the story, it really ends kind of sad. Ephrath, which is Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is the house of bread. You see, he couldn't get to the bread. He got to the burial. He couldn't get to the bread. And I, and I want to know from the men this morning, what have you buried in your almost place? What have you buried? Every man in here has a shovel. So when life gets crazy, when we don't want to deal with something, we bury it. Many times we don't properly bury it, we just bury it. Many times instead of dealing with it, we bury it. But I want to tell you, brothers, sometimes we, uh, when we bury it, we miss a miracle. That's why Jesus told Martha and Mary when Lazarus died, he said, take me to the place that you buried him. See, God want to go to the place where we bury things. He want to be the God of our shortcomings. He want to be the God that make up the difference when we fall short. Why, why, why? So, so I ask myself the question, Lord, why did you let Jacob, Israel, get so close to Ephrath and fall short? And I, it puzzled me because the Bible don't end many times in bad endings. Every now and then you'll hear a bad ending, you know, you hear about Jonah and the whale, and you'll hear about somebody may not get it, but it rarely ends with a bad ending. Then, all of a sudden, it kind of dawned on me. The Lord spoke to me. I heard some huff wheels turning. I heard some wheels turning on a chuck wagon that came thousands of years later. Some other generations later, I heard some horses coming, and they were thousands of years later. This time, I saw a guy sitting up front on the, on the wagon, but it wasn't Jacob. This time, this guy's name was Joseph, and Mary was in back of the bunk, pregnant with Jesus. There was a girl named Mary, and they were on the road to Ephraim, which is now called Bethlehem. Then suddenly I began to realize I saw Joseph right by the place where Jacob broke down at. 
you see, Joseph has married, and she's about to go into labor, and they were trying to get to Bethlehem, and they were just a little ways away from Bethlehem, but Jacob broke down, but Joseph kept on riding. Somebody hear me this morning. Joseph made it to the city that Jacob couldn't make it to. So that prophecy would come true. You see, out of Bethlehem, Jesus would be born. And that's when I realized, I realized why Jacob couldn't get to Bethlehem. See, if Jacob would have made it to Bethlehem, Benjamin was a king and they might have got it twisted. But there was one coming mightier, mightier, mightier than Benjamin. There was one coming and he was the Messiah. Oh, I hear the huff wheels turning this morning. But there was one coming after him who was mightier than he was. And there was one called where Jacob fell short. Jesus stepped in. Jesus came down all the way from heaven. Down 42 generations. So what I want to leave with your brother this morning, don't worry. Don't sweat when you come up short. Because King Jesus is going to make up the difference. He's going to restore what you lost. He's going to restore what the cranker worm ate up. He's going to restore what the locust ate up. He's going to make up the difference. You ought to praise God right now for making up the difference in your life. For everything you didn't accomplish. For every time you failed, he's making up the difference. Don't worry, the horses are coming. I hear somebody else singing, ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, ride on when I come short. Ride on when I don't feel like a man. Ride on when my marriage is messed up. Ride on. Ride on, King Jesus. Right on, King Jesus. I don't care what you're going through. Right on, King Jesus. I don't care what situation you're looking at. Right on, right on, right on, right on. Right on, right on, King Jesus. They say, no man cannot hinder me. Right on, right on. Right on.